to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fulick. Welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fulick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to disaster recovery, business continuity, security, resilience, COVID, anything that's relatable to those subjects and anything that helps you, your organization, or your community prepare, respond, and overcome adverse situations. If there's a topic you'd like us to talk about on the show or you'd like to be a guest, please feel free to reach out to me through LinkedIn. The link is in the video description down below. I am the only Alex Fulick on LinkedIn, so I'm really easy to find. So just uh, reach out and we'll see about getting you on the show or finding someone else to come on the show and talk about what you want to talk about. Now, I've said that with every episode since July 2017 on Voice America. And every so often, people take me up on that offer. Today, I have a guest who did exactly that. They reached out a few weeks ago on the subject of, and I want to make sure I get it right, how information security and business continuity are linked. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Willie Fabricius. Willie, welcome to the show. Yeah, Alex, thank you very much for having me. Great honor. Well, it's, it was a pleasure. I know uh, I said you, you reached out. Um, yes. You know, with, with some ideas. Actually, <laughs> you should see the email Willie sent me. All these topics. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> we could do about 20 different shows. <laughs> but we settled on, <clears throat> excuse me, we settled on this one. Now, uh, we've got uh, listeners and viewers uh, literally around the globe. Can you take a couple of minutes and tell us about yourself, what you do, and how you got into this industry? Sure. Um yeah, by now you may have noticed my uh, deep Chicago accent, um, which is obviously a joke. Um, so, yes, I, I do live in Chicago for the last 21 years, but prior to that, um, three years in Johannesburg, South Africa, and prior to that, obviously, I'm from Germany. How did I get into this industry? Well, long story is um, something along the line. I studied computer science and uh, obviously, you know, programming. And then I realized that this is not my forte. This is not my, uh, you know, strong suit. So I somehow ended up um, running a local area network at a stamping facility in Germany. And uh, subsequently, I was tasked to introduce and implement a quality management system to ISO 9001. And that brought me sooner or later into the third-party auditing business, you know, auditing to various international standards. Uh, which brought me to South Africa, um, and I was auditing automotive industries, uh, um, you know, suppliers to the big three, uh, suppliers to the German uh, car manufacturers. Um, but because of my educational background, I somehow came back to information security and um, started auditing uh, in that domain. And I had the privilege to, to audit Fortune 10 companies, <laughs> and um, that was really, really amazing uh, because of the um, maturity of the systems, but also because of the unique challenges. And um, then I obviously um, I learned about ISO 22301, uh, the uh, Business Continuity Management System Standard, um, got qualified to that. And um, now for the last uh, one and a half, nearly two years, I'm the global head for information security, privacy, and business continuity at BSI, uh, the British Standard Institution. And here you are now. That's and it. I, I now remember. I'm here. <clears throat> I remember now. Um, uh, Kate, is it Kate Field? Yes, Kate Field is, is my one colleague. of your colleagues, and I know she has an episode airing uh, very shortly, which will actually air before this one. But uh, that was it. You saw that she was on the show, and that's when you reached out. Yes. Uh, so she is the global head for uh, health and safety, uh, which is obviously another very important component of uh, organization resilience. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to talk about uh, information security and business continuity and how they're linked. 
And uh, I'll, I'll tell you up front, I've worked with some information security professionals. And I, if any of them <laughs> listen to this show, I know they're going to go, what, what, what? They're going to go crazy. Um, but that's good. <laughs> Absolutely. So let, let's start how, how these are linked. But first, um, why is information security uh, important to organizations? And what is information security? Yeah, I think sometimes it's important to say what, it, what something is not. So information security is not IT security. It's not computer security. Information security is really about the subject of protecting the information an organization has. Alex and I are exchanging information right now. The question is, should we exchange that? Is that, you know, suitable for public consumption or should it be somehow protected? And many organizations have the, the thinking that information security is exclusive to IT security. Mm. Don't get me wrong. As I said earlier, my background is computer science, right? So, yes, IT security is a crucial component of information security. But when you think about all those um, social engineering hacks where uh, people are getting some kind of interesting email um, and they click the link and the next thing they know, their computer is infected. Well, is this IT security or is it person security? Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why I say no. It's really both and people need to understand. So it's information security is about the protection of information under your control. Well, I think it's uh, been said now, uh, I, I know there's a quote about this, but uh, um, something along the lines of data, I wrote it down, data is the new currency. So information security is prote protecting that data, right? Absolutely. And, and when you think about all those hacks we hear about, you know, um, companies losing 500 billion, <laughs> 500 million records of their users. Um, companies are using are losing uh, 120 million records of their passengers. What is that? Are the people really interested in knowing your name now? Are they really interested in knowing that you flew from Heathrow to Chaldego? No, of course not. There's something else in that data they are interested in. And that is the thing that the organizations need to protect. Why, why is information uh, security so important then? Because there's something along the lines of, um, what's the acronym? CIA. And I don't mean the Central Intelligence Agency. No, and it also does not stand for the Culinary Institute of America. Oh, that's it, yes. <laughs> um, no, CIA uh, in, in our world stands for confidentiality, integrity, and availability. So the confidentiality aspect, I mentioned already earlier when you know, Alex and Willie are talking. Uh, but then there's also the integrity question. And uh, many organizations are really challenged with that question in terms of how do we know that the data has not been manipulated? So if I'm a hacker, am I interested in just stealing the information and use it for something else? That's one aspect, right? But if I really want to drive havoc, if I really want to create um, distrust into an organization, I would manipulate the data. So just envision you go to an ATM and withdraw money. What is the first thing you do? Check the balance, right? I mean, just out of curiosity, did I get my salary? And let's say all of a sudden you see there 900,000. Whether it's Canadian dollars or US dollars, it's something like, wow, that's pretty cool. But the next thing would be, why do I have so much money on my checking account? Yeah, that's wrong. <laughs> there's, there's something suspicious, right? But now imagine the opposite. It says minus 10,000. Mm. And you would get a heart attack. What happened, right? At the end, the effect will be that people don't trust. That's the integrity issue, right? Or think about patient data in, an, um, in a hospital. Um, you, you go there because you have some kind of um, back pain argument saying, and the doctor comes and says, well, I, I have bad news and good news. Um, your, your, your heart is pretty, pretty darn good, but we still need to have a stent inserted. 
just hold on, uh, hard back doesn't make sense. Well, are you not Mr. Bob Brown? No, I'm Alex, <laughs> right? <laughs> and all of a sudden, you would say, just hold on. Why, why does the doctor think that, I, that I'm Bob? And by the way, why he is sharing with me, Alex, Bob's condition? Yeah. You would be more than nervous, I, I guess. Uh, is but that then, what organizations have to do internally as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just, uh, I, I remember working with, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, some of these uh, security and mainframe uh, security people creating rack FIDs and all, all that kind of stuff. And they were, they would have this questionnaire. What are people allowed to look at even within their own organization? Access you know, control. If Absolutely. You're, yeah. If you're an analyst, you only get to look at this. If you're a different position, you get more data to look at and able to yep. do something. So is that something that you also have to look at, look at internally as well? Absolutely. Uh, the biggest threat, uh, unfortunately, is still from the inside of an organization. Uh, and, and I describe that as the uh, current disgruntled employee. In okay. other words, the yeah. employee who has mentally already terminated his engagement. Yeah. Exactly. Didn't resign yet. Officially. Mentally, that person resigned. And that is the biggest threat to an organization because that person still has access. And, and yes, there are obviously access control mechanisms. Um, you know, banks on a regular basis require their employees to, f um, to take vacation so that somebody will take over their job temporarily to make sure that there is no unregularity. Um, we at BSI have access control mechanisms. You know, despite my global level, I cannot access reports from all the countries. I only can access reports from certain countries. If I want a report from particular countries, I need to have, I, I need to request access. I need to have justification. If I just say, I want it, access denied. If I have good business justification, it goes up to the chain, to the owner of the data, that then says, yeah, Willie, in this particular case, can indeed access that information. And so access control is, is absolutely paramount. Mm -hmm. I guess that's been around for quite some time because uh, <clears throat> maybe you remember the days before um, you go into a bank and you're trying to work with the teller and they get frustrated. Hang on, I got to go find a supervisor to override this with the code. And I guess it's that kind of a thing, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, you obviously also know the, the thing that um, age limitations at uh, registrars for buying alcohol, depending on the country, it might be, you know, 21 or whatever, supervisor is required. Why? Because certain people cannot do certain things. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's the same when you go to, to a bank and want to withdraw $10,000 in cash. Well, that's not a problem in itself, but it still needs to be reviewed and approved by a signatory person. And the same is obviously true with, you know, access to health records, access to, I don't know, um, transactions uh, related to uh, purchasing activities and, and things like that, right? Right. But it doesn't necessarily mean that someone's a bad person because no. they, they need, uh, you know, someone to come and override something. It means you've, you've been given the access you need to perform your duties. And sometimes if you're, pushing against that wall, you need someone just to let you in for a minute or allow you to do something. And that is you go right. back and like, now you're out again. And, and as the, the, the concept of need to know, right? Uh, so wh why would that person need to know something about, I don't know, an, uh, an activity in Japan when that right. person is located in Toronto? That might be a good business reason. And if that needs to be done every single second, well, that person will get access continuously. Mm -hmm. But if it is only occasionally, once per quarter, it is better to have a secondary review taking place. Absolutely. Right. So how often do these uh, information security incidents occur to organizations? That's oh, well, that, that's a loaded <laughs> question. <laughs> well, um, so when, when I go back to my auditor's time, um, which is a couple of years ago, uh, there was one organization telling me, 
it pretty much happens about 15 to 20,000 times a second. Wow. Think about that. I mean, you know, at first I say, yeah, 15 to 20 times per year. No, 1,000, oh, 1,000, okay, <laughs> okay, per second. Wow. So now the, the question is, what is an incident, right? An incident is not necessarily a breach. An incident is not necessarily something that is totally bad. But an incident is a deviation from the norm, a deviation from something that is normal. And good organizations have fantastic detection mechanisms in place to alert them. Because as you, as you have heard, uh, if you don't know it, you don't react. If you don't uh, measure, you don't know, right? And, and that's the, the fundamental premise of uh, information security. You, you really need to have measurement systems, detection mechanisms in place to alert you. Not every incident is a bad thing, but every incident could lead to disasters. And that's, that's something to, to think about, right? I mean, for example... Go to your, your email inbox. How many spam emails do you get per day? You could argue that each of those is an incident. But because your system alerts you and you are well-trained, you're not clicking on the link. Okay, you prevented that. But the fact that you got a spam email could be interpreted as an incident. It's like the, a thousand a second, one of those got through. Yes. Right? Yes. How, you know, how, how many people in a 100,000 employee company does it take <laughs> to click? Right? Well, I, I worked at a, uh, a client last, well, before COVID or just at the beginning of COVID. And what they had implemented is, and they would send out an email to their staff disguising it as... Yep an external partner of some sort saying, hey, um, you know, we've got all, all kinds of things. Hey, Alex, sometimes it went to the actual person. And they added a button to their email application that says, you report this as spam, you know, and I know someone who <laughs> did click on a link and they got a big letters, you know, uh, showing up in their email. You <laughs> need to, uh, I forget the exact wording, but basically, naughty boy <laughs> you weren't supposed yes, to click yes. that link <laughs> yeah we, we had a couple of years back an internal training session and you know on day two the tutor said something along the line so um so and so and so and so i uh recognize you you are not following the uh the dress code policy and the two people said excuse me wh wh what are you talking about well i know that you clicked on the link last night <laughs> and that was also an internal test email that said, you know, heads up kind of thing for internal events, a new dress policy. Uh, if you want to know more details, read here. And then those two people also forwarded it to some other colleagues as well, well. just to make sure. <laughs> and, and, you know, on one hand, it's sort of kind of embarrassing. On the other hand, it tells me, that all of us, all of us are not immune to that. That's if right. it's really written very, very well, I mean, Alex, let's face it. If you get tomorrow an email from Willy Fabricius at vsigroup.com saying, hey, Alex, just came about this wonderful article in this and this kind of magazine uh, touching on business continuity, hyperlink. What is the probability that you click that? Because you and I just talked, my, the probability of me doing that goes up. Yes, exactly. It definitely goes up. Because A, you are interested. A, we just met. I think I'm trustworthy. Uh, right? and, and all of a sudden, this, all those components raise the risk. Mm -hmm. and, and therefore, it's very, very important that organizations really challenge their employees and in really being on the alert. I mean, you mentioned earlier in the intro, COVID-19. Believe it or not, many spam emails are titled something along the line, uh, great news from HR department concerning COVID. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And we did get ones like that. So 
it wouldn't be a shock to get one um, uh, somewhere down the line that reads the same way. It's like, oh, here's an update. Click right off. Yes. The and the next thing you know, your computer says, Bium. you've got the blue screen of death, you know, as, they, as we used to say. Well, the real bad things are actually um, not immediately visible. The bad things yeah. are really then happen in the background where they then infect other computers. Yeah. And that's the real bad thing. And on that note, we've come to the end of our first segment. We are talking with Willie Fabricius today on how information security and business continuity are linked. And we're going to be touching on the business continuity part in our second segment. We'll be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Tax laws are constantly changing. How can you keep up? Tune in to the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. By working together year-round, we'll help you implement proactive tax strategies to ensure you are paying the least amount of tax possible and work to increase your business cash flow. We'll help you file your business and individual tax returns accurately, safely, and properly the first time. Listen every Thursday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you ready to hear from investors and get insight on different asset classes? Join host Troy Eckert for the program, Talk with the Texan, Money and Life. Troy works with high net worth investors and is ready to bring you the secrets he's learned in his 35 years of alternative investment experience, along with his guest experts. If you want value, you'll need to listen in live every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back to the show. We are talking with Willie Fabricius today on how information security and business continuity are linked. Willie, great first segment. Lots of good information there. Now let's move into... Um, how do we incorporate things like uh, supply chain management and business continuity activities into or with, I shouldn't say into because I don't want anyone to get upset, with information security? Uh, Alex, uh, that's a very good question. Um, when, when we think about a modern organization, uh, there's not a single organization that can live, that can exist without suppliers. Whether you are manufacturing a gadget, you will need components. Or whether you are a cloud provider, you need internet connectivity. If you are um, a service organization, you need um, IT infrastructure, right? So we all need uh, suppliers. And we are exchanging information. We are exchanging data with the suppliers. And we rely upon them, uh, those suppliers, processing the information correctly and uh, obviously, if now one of those suppliers, God forbid, several of those suppliers are not able to process the information in a timely, correct manner, then we are affected. Just think about you are shipping some kind of products. And as a good um, customer-focused organization, you obviously uh, allow your customers to track the packages on UPS, FedEx, whatever they're using. Now, just imagine... That interface between computer system transportation service provider is not working for whatever reason. How many calls do you get? Where's my package? <laughs> uh, and, and that is just an example, right? So, um, and, and modern applications uh, running on, on an iPhone or whatever phone you have are relying upon so many different um, 
uh, other providers that are uh, working in the background. At a research conference recently, uh, a, a researcher told me that he analyzed a particular application and it used 120 different websites. Wow. Think about that. So if, if you have your, your app, whatever that might be, banking app or travel booking app, and, and you see only the surface, right? But in reality, it's communicating to up to 120 or even more different websites in the background. What happens if those are down? Your business is down. So information security is business continuity. Business continuity is information security. Those two are linked. And when you look at international standards, um, you know, when you look at ISO 27001, it's talking about business continuity. And if you look at the business continuity standard, the ISO 22301, what a surprise. It's talking about information security. Mm-hmm. So those international standards mm-hmm. have recognized that, that those things are actually totally intertwined. Well, I remember when uh, we had a, you know, I worked for a team, half of us were business continuity, the other half were information security. When there were incidents, if there was a, a denial of service attack or something like that, the information security team had their own protocol to respond. Business continuity was left out. If there was a different kind of incident, uh, facility-based or something that impacted the business, which everything does anyway, because then, then we were involved and security wasn't there. So in today's world, if something, anything happens, how do you propose organizations should respond? Multidisciplinary approach. That's the only way to, to get it done. Um, look, in, in our world, we are super, super specialized. Uh, I mean, even within the IT organization, you have people that are not just responsible for the network. They're responsible for the router setup, right? And, and on one hand, that's fantastic. It's absolutely crucial. But when it comes to um, disaster recovery, when it comes to incident uh, management, no, you need to have a multidisciplinary approach. Otherwise, you're not able to manage it. You need people from finance, as well as the legal department, as well as the BCM, uh, professionals, as well as the infosec professionals. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. I've always taken the approach or, or thought of the approach, um, get everyone key at the table and let them decide whether they need to be an active participant or just an FYI person uh, on the sidelines or not. Yes, absolutely. And, and I think that um, the bigger that team, that's, that's the right approach because people are listening, right? And they hear one keyword and they say, just hold on, uh, excuse me for interrupting, but um, that is where I need to jump in. Yeah. And that's cool. Yeah. That, that's my area. You, you, know, yeah. it, you only mentioned it once and you quickly glossed over it, but that's my area. How does that impact me? What, what do I need to do? Right. Right. So how do you go about pulling that together? If you do have a big uh, information security breach, data breach of some sort, how do you, go about pulling that kind of a response together? And how quick should your response be? Uh, the, 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 the last question is the easy one. It's now, immediately. <laughs> um, and believe it or not, I think that thinking about COVID-19, it actually might have a benefit because now really everybody is used to Zoom and Teams and all those, you know, modern uh, communication methods we have. In the past, it was something like, oh, we've got a problem. Uh, Let's call a meeting tomorrow morning in the boardroom. Well, by tomorrow morning, (laughs) the company may not exist any longer, right? Mm -hmm. And and now it's something like, okay, bridge call. Get everybody on the phone who needs to be there, whether they're in Singapore, in Australia, or in Germany, or in Toronto, it doesn't matter. We are all hyper-connected. And from that point of view, I think it's actually uh, one of the better levels of COVID that we know, really know the technology is reliable and we can uh, trust it and work on with it. So multidisciplinary approach, uh, immediate reaction, uh, get as many people involved as possible. What are some of the activities that may get implemented or uh, considered as a result of some sort of a, uh, a breach? You know, you've got all these people at the table. 
you know, people have to be doing something. They, you know, if I'm in finance, I can't just sit there, oh, my system's not working, you know, and just sit there. Well, I'll just wait for four hours. You know, it's like, no, <laughs> what can I, what should I be doing? What kind of things should be happening? It's not just the, I'm assuming it's just not the network and I information security people who are scrambling around, but other people have to do things too, right? So how does an organization really respond? How should they respond? Well, the question would be, who is really impacted uh, by this um, situation? So in, in your example, the finance folks, um, who, who, who are really their customers? Well, among others, suppliers who need to get paid, um, but also uh, the customers who should pay the organization, right? So depending upon whether it's you know, inbound or outbound finance, uh, the question would be, should they perhaps inform their business partners? Um, you know, if it is really just four hours, most likely nobody outside the organization even realizes it. But if it's longer than that, yeah, the question would be, who are our partners, business partners, we must inform and, and get in contact with? Uh, and that is obviously, you know, the individual process owner who needs to make that decision. Uh, you know, whether this is the HR department uh, talking to a uh, temp agency uh, that, you know, in the next three days, they don't need any temps despite the planning or the other way around. They need more temps despite mm -hmm. not saying we need any, right? So the question is, what is the impact of that incident to the outside world if we communicate it properly? Uh, and obviously, inter uh, questions. Alex, frankly speaking, I think the, the post-mortem analysis, um, the, the analysis after the incident is equally important, if not more important. So there's definitely the survival situation, right? How, how can you survive the next couple of hours or days? But once it's all over and business back to usual, um, the question would be, what are the lessons learned? Why, why did that person click on that email? Why, why, why did that laptop actually now infect 50 other laptops? Why was a laptop in the customer service department able to infect a laptop in the HR department? Why? They're not supposed to be connected. I mean, they are connected. on the same LAN, but yeah. they are using different applications. There should be VLANs. There should be segregation of networks and so on and so forth, right? And that is the real question that should be asked. And, and I think this is where, where the majority of companies are extremely challenged. But shouldn't those lessons learned or post-incident reviews or critical incident reviews, what after-action reports, there's different names, different methodologies used, they don't really mean anything unless something changes. Correct. Unless there's action put to it, right? Do, do you find that that sometimes gets forgotten, you, you go through this whole exercise, but then nothing happens. <laughs> Many companies have great ideas, but the execution is lacking. Yes. And, and you know, it, it, it's sad to, to say that, but yes, as, you know, as an auditor, I, I unfortunately have seen um, multiple times that, you know, the after-action report or the post-mortem analysis was just fantastic. I mean, school book, precision, right? Something you would teach at university about how to and then I say, so show me. Oh yeah, we decided it's too too expensive. Uh, sorry, you lost me, right? I mean, you, you do all that good work, you come to the conclusion that is the right thing to do and then you are deciding it's not done because of funds Mm -hmm. And that raises the question of management commitment. I'm sorry to say, you know. Well, then you, you've opened yourself up to the same incident again, which will yes. occur. And now you, if you're using the ITIL methodology, if my memory uh, is correct here, you're no longer in incident management. You've got to move into problem management because you've got a bigger problem. You've got the same incidents reoccurring and nothing well, changing, <laughs> nothing happening, nobody learning. Referring to ITIL, you could argue, well, at least now we have a process to fix the issue. Yeah. <laughs> the short term. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, how, how often have you heard from, from the IT folks, 
did you reboot the machine? A, I did. B, why do you think that rebooting actually solves the issue? I mean... Yeah, I, I, I remember that. I still get that as a response. Did you reboot? Reboot? I, I never heard of doing that. You, you can't help but sometimes, and I, you know, I feel bad for saying this to some poor help desk person, but it's like, come on. <laughs> you know, it, it's somebody forcing you to say that because you know we did that. You mm -hmm, know? Mm -hmm. But I guess there are people that don't think that. They, they fiddle around with something and they make it worse. Yes, indeed. Unfortunately, that is the case. You know, so with incidents then, what happens um, if it is um, taking longer than normal and you've done your communications, you know, uh, to internal and um, external uh, partners, but a day's gone by. Now, what do you do? Because you, you've got to start changing the, the way you're communicating and how frequently, you know, what do you have suggestions in that respect? Because you, you've got to tell partners, don't send us anything now you know, where you might have been able to queue it up before. Internal people may have been told, you know, uh, you can't send, I can't send Willie reports, don't send him anything, but you can still create them. Now you've got to change it, don't create them because the backlog is causing a, a new issue. So <laughs> how do you manage those kind of situations? Well, I think it goes <clears throat> back to um, risk assessment and business impact analysis, right? Um, you know, a good business impact analysis um, review should address what happens if that system is not available for a day, for a week, for a month, and then take the appropriate actions. Um, and I, I do understand that on a regular basis, those plans cannot be executed as planned because the situation is different, right? I mean, a year ago, if you had a pandemic plan, I'm pretty sure you, you did not consider, you know, COVID and a Suez Canal blockage and internet connectivity is down. Right? Mm, yeah. uh, and, and, and by the way, no, no chips from any uh, chip factories in, in Taiwan uh, on top of that. Uh, so what, what I'm trying to say is uh, flexibility is crucial, but at the same time, you need to have a plan. Um, and you need to understand that the plan will be changed and will need to be changed. And uh, a business impact analysis um, plan will have indeed those stages, you know, short term, a couple of hours, maybe a day or two, uh, over the weekend, a week, a month, a quarter. And, and yes, that may mean that you need to um, shut down in a particular country. May this may mean that you need to transfer your IT infrastructure to another provider, uh, but you need to think about those possibilities uh, and, and take the appropriate actions. And on that note, we've come to the end of our second segment. We are talking with Willie Fabricius today on how information security and business continuity are linked. We'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Tune in to Business Buzz and Business Watch. It's two shows in one, hosted by Frank Hellring. We'll help your small business bounce back with best practices, guest experts, and resources that you can use to strengthen your small business. Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Tune in each week for the Labenthal Report with hosts Dominic Tavella and Michael Hartzman. The Labenthal Report keeps you in tune with market conditions, investment opportunities, and outlooks based on the stories and headlines to keep you in touch with your financial success. Are you picking the right financial path? Find out by listening to The Labenthal Report live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullen. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are talking with Willie Fabricius about information security and business continuity and how they're linked. Willie, in our last segment, I want to talk about what organizations can do to protect themselves, you know, what kind of uh, practices they should have in place. Um, We've mentioned standards at one point, but in my opinion, standards are usually the minimum an organization needs or to address whatever that standard is, business continuity, information security, supply chain management, whatever, is the minimum. Now, to your point, uh, you're saying that uh, there's thousands of attacks, you know, happening on a no, one organization on a daily basis. So if standards only provide us the basic minimum to meet that standard, what? and we've got government agencies, we've got, unfortunately, we've got uh, hackers, we've got uh, organized crime syndicates that have upped their game in uh, you know these nefarious activities that they've been doing, what can organizations and what should organizations do to up their game to combat what's happening on the other side, especially when a standard is only giving them the minimum? Good question indeed. And um, I hear what you say, but I do not necessarily agree because management system standards, ISO standards, are on a regular basis written in such a way that they are adaptable and must be adapted to an organization's um, environment. So, for example, when you think about information security management system standard ISO 27001, it says that you need to identify the context in which you operate and you need to identify the risks of your organization. Depending upon the risk identified, you come up with suitable controls to mitigate those risks. Well, that's a minimum, no question about that, right? Mm -hmm. But what kind of countermeasures do you implement? The standard doesn't necessarily say. So that could be user access control, okay. This could be antivirus software, okay. It could be actively pen testing your system. Whatever is state of the art could be a solution to mitigate the risks identified. And I would like to emphasize management systems always include that one requirement that says, and I paraphrase, the organization shall continually improve their system. Mm. So if you tell me last year we did this and this, and this year we do exactly the same, uh, that would be not fulfilling the requirements. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because you didn't improve, right? Yeah, you're in the same place you were last year. You know, move forward. And, and that brings me to the, to the thing in terms of measurement. You need to measure the effectiveness of your system. And if you recognize that your system is not fulfilling the objectives, you fail in your mission. And if you fail in your mission, you need to review and need to update. And then we are not talking about improvement. Now we are talking about corrections. So um, how do you measure before we go to the, the, the corrections part? How do you measure it's, it's a good question because there is not a single answer to that. But I would like to, to uh, suggest that when you go back to high school uh, physics, you have heard about the electromagnetic field and the three directions, right? Well, in business, you can argue that every single process, every single control can be measured in three different dimensions. Time, how fast are we doing something? How long does it take us to do something? So in business continuity, how, how fast are we able to detect the issue? How fast are we able to recover, right? 
And then there is something like quality. How good was the solution? Was it just a patch? Or was it actually addressing the fundamental issue so that it's not reoccurring again? Mm-hmm. And sorry to say, there's also cost. And yes, all those three dimensions, time, quality, and cost of a process should be measured. So let's make that example of that phishing test email to employees. Uh, how fast are people reacting to it? How many people are reacting? How many people are actually reporting it to IT or HR rather than clicking? Then we train people. How effective is that training? In other words, next year round, how many people are now reacting in the right proper way? And yes, how much did it cost us? No question about that, right? Um, But I would really like to emphasize that while every process can be measured against those three dimensions, it's not necessarily the best approach. So when you buy a new mouse for your your computer, what is more important, whether it's $5 or $15, or that it is ergonomically correct and doesn't hurt your hand? That's the quality component, right? And in InfoSec on business continuity, it's the same. Sometimes price is not the issue, but quality is the important thing. And sometimes price is the issue because, well, you just simply don't have this $3.8 million sitting around for some kind of firewall. So if I'm, let's say, uh, I'm in the organization and I've got my baseline. We did what we did last year. We've had all these incidents. What should I expect a year later, to your point, about moving forward? Where should I have been? What should I have done? What kind of uh, corrections should I uh, have um, in place, you know, to, to say that, hey, we've, this is what we've done. This is how we've come this far, which means that we have now been able to address A, B, C, D, E, F, you know, what kind of things should I be looking at, you know, I- implementing and not just sending an email to, to staff? Yeah. Yes. Sometimes it's not the obvious. So if, if I start in an, in an organization auditing them and they say we have um, last month we had 10 incidences, I say, okay. And coming back a year later, they say, well, this year's bad. We had 12 incidences. My first reaction would be, what did you change? And they say, well, we implemented an, an intrusion detection system. Excellent. Because Mm -hmm. now you have a more sophisticated system to alert you, you obviously get more positive results, which might be a little bit this, uh, which might be misleading, right? I mean, you you go from 10 incidences to 1,200 incidences, whatever time unit, sounds bad, right? But that could be the result of something very positive, implementing a detection system. So, in, in other words, it really depends upon where the organization is weak. If your organization is weak in um, patch management, well, they should do something about patch management. If mm-hmm. they are still running Windows 7, maybe they should think a little bit about their you know, uh, investment policies. Uh, if they have uh, challenges with um, supply chain, they should address the supply chain. Um, I would like to, to encourage organizations not to to go too much because at the end of the day, um, regardless of the size of the problem, you, you need to break it down in smaller issues that can be handled. Um, so uh, think about the three biggest issues the organization has with regard to BCM, respectively InfoSec, and, and address those. And once those have been addressed, go to the next three ones, right? And, and that over time will improve the, the posture of the organization. Because as, as you move to the next three, you're also hopefully still improving on those first three. So now you're you're in a way you're you've you've got six things moving, but three are the key priorities, and three are now um, better monitored, so to speak. Yeah, and they may be on autopilot for improvement. <clears throat> yeah, and I like your example about the uh, um, the twelve hundred you know incidents. You know, when you used to have 10, 
Well, it, that'll give you consideration thought going, does that mean we had 1,190 mm-hmm. incidents we don't know about? Right? Yes. Yes. So, yeah, that can be a good thing. Um, we've only got two minutes left, believe it or not. Can you take uh, a minute, minute and a half with any final thoughts you want to convey? Yeah, I think that we all have a responsibility with regard to information security, uh, whether this is for ourselves, for our companies we are working for, or even for the larger society. Uh, as, as you alluded to earlier, um, information security is, is national security. And I only can concur with that. You know, at the end of the day, you might think that you are just a small little fish, but you might be actually the entry point to a bigger fish. And that might be the issue. To your point about the supply chain with all these different groups, right? Somebody way out there, you know, that's your entry point. And you could be that entry point. I I told my, my customers in the DC area, you are not the target. Trust me. You are just a 50-employee company. Nobody cares about your payroll. But you are the entry point, the conduit to the big fishes. And that's what they are after. That's interesting. Yeah, I I bet you a lot of people don't look at it that way. Yes. But, you know, the the good thing is, uh, you know, with the DOD, the Department of Defense in the U.S., um, pushing the CMMC um, cybersecurity framework, uh, it, it gets the attention that it needs. Uh, and many organizations are uh, recognizing that they are part of the bigger system and they are part of, uh, it's part of their, let's say, social responsibility to, to protect not just themselves, but also their customers and maybe even the country. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We all have, we're all, we're all a cog in a big wheel. You know, it's like a, a bike. You take out enough of those small spokes and the wheel collapses. Exactly. Right. Willie, thanks very much for sharing your expertise and time. I really appreciate it. And thanks for reaching out. You know, uh, I, I, I really like the fact that, uh, you know, you were watching the show and noticing and decided to reach out and uh, come on and talk about uh, information security and business continuity and how they're linked. Alex, thank you very much for having me. It was a great pleasure talking to you. And I hope the listeners uh, of your show got something out of this and uh, looking forward uh, speaking to you in the future, I hope. Oh, well, when COVID is over, over, I hope to be able to travel again and yes. run into people and say, hey, <laughs> there you are for real. <laughs> so thanks very much for your time. Uh, again, I really appreciate it. And everybody who's uh, watching and listening, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you here next week.